Hello and welcome to Haaretz Weekend, your audio supplement to the news from Israel, the Middle East and the Jewish world. I'm Simon Spungin. On today's show... Netflix unveiled a collection of 32 award-winning films created by Palestinians or about Palestinian stories. The streaming service was praised in many quarters for acquiring the rights to these movies, with director Amin Naife, whose 10-minute short The Crossing is included in the collection, describing the purchase as bold. On the Israeli side, predictably, there were some angry responses, slamming Netflix for showing anti-Israeli movies directed in many cases by supporters of the BDS movement. On the pages of Haaretz, meanwhile, Natalie Alz and Zina Abu Zalka selected their top five recommendations from the collection, and Sharon Falah Saab spoke to several Palestinians in the movie business who expressed reservations about the collection and the movies that were notably absent. Joining me today from Amsterdam to discuss Palestinian stories is journalist, activist, poet and Haaretz's new European correspondent, Raja Natur. Thanks for joining us, Raja. Oh, hello, Simon. Thanks for having me. I mean, you forgot Palestinians. They're going to crucify me. (laughs) Where should I have inserted that? Joining us from Amsterdam is Palestinian activist (laughs) journalist or Haaretz? That's fine. That's fine. I don't don't care today because, (laughs) I mean, I feel... Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean it. I I feel that I am more journalist than I a uh, Palestinian today, like because journalism allow me, you know, really allow me, you know, a lot of you know space to express my my thoughts and ideas and writing and bring my 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 honest direct critique about not only regarding that Palestinian narrative, but also you know regarding other political cultural topics that I tackle. Mm. I'm sure. I'm sure our listeners have have, have seen your byline on Haaretz.com. I recommend everyone to do a follow and get a, a, an alert every time Raja publishes a new article. Today we're going to talk though about uh, the Netflix collection of uh, Palestinian stories. Raja, what sort of reception? did it get in, in the Arab-Palestinian media? I assume most people were just delighted that Palestinian stories are getting yeah. a global audience, right? You're right. Initially, that was the main discourse that I met while researching. The Palestinian, maybe, political, cultural discourse that welcomed that, but rather, you know, all activists and directors and lots of even actors and actresses from, you know, the Palestinian or whatever uh, um, entertainment uh, uh, industry. So, yeah, it was it was really uh, a thing in the Arab world and I think for Palestinians, you know, to get that um you know spot in Netflix as 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 a huge, amazing, enormous uh, international platform, you know, I think otherwise. But yeah, it was positively viewed. Mm. So uh, w- one article that I read uh, about the collection on, on a website that, that usually has its finger on the pulse uh, said that the Palestinians are thrilled with the Netflix collection that sheds light on the Palestinian-Israeli conflict from a Palestinian perspective for the first time. I- is that accurate? 
I don't think that's accurate, basically, because, and, you know, for me, like, this is the thing, because Palestinians are telling their stories, not only, you know, through movies, but also, you know, through writing, poetry, cultural, international uh, events, and so on and so forth. So it's not, you know, Netflix is, for me, one of those several platforms that through which Palestinians had just yet started to present their narrative through. But it's, I don't think it's an, a political cultural achievement. I don't see that. Netflix launching mm. the Palestine collection as an achievement, because for me, a Palestinian achievement would be looking into that nationalistic narrative and, and bringing more complexity, diversity, bringing a hidden, you know, stories, unspoken stories, unspoken topics and touching upon that, upon the unspoken sides of the Palestinian narrative, not only, you know, addressing and, you know, speaking out loud against occupation, which is legitimate. I mean, I'm not saying that basically it's not me as Raja, you know, the Palestinian journalist mm. dismissing the importance of tackling, of challenging, of, of speaking out loud, out loud against the, the Israeli occupation, oppressing and so on and so forth. Uh, my critique basically goes into is, okay, we all as Palestinians, as even, you know, as, as Arab world and as internationals, we have had the known, the familiar nationalistic narrative as a Palestinian, as a writer, as a journalist. My demand from those Palestinian directors and producers to, to be able to bring much more complexity and bring much more, you know, critique. And I, by that, I mean basically looking into what the occupation basically has done internally to the Palestinian community within Israel or outside Israel, whatever, because occupation basically or oppressing is not only, you know, happening from inside to outside. Like, it's not only done to the Palestinian mm. by the Israeli, but it's also happening within the Palestinian community itself. So there is no Palestinianism. There is no internal discourse that basically tackles what we as women or men in, in the Palestinian community, you want to hear, like, I want to give a, an example. So what is basically happening to, to the motherhood, to uh, the womanhood, to the childhood, mm. or to women's sexuality under occupation, which is, you know, a very, very internal Palestinian topic that should be tackled and discussed and exposed and challenged by entertainment industry. Because, I mean, we all know I know we're familiar with what occupation has done to Palestinians. We know that. I am aware of that, not only as Rajab, but also as Palestinian audience. I want to hear more about, like, I gave an example of the article that was published in Na'arit mm. in English and Hebrew and both, that um, Tariq and, and, and Anne-Marie Jesser's movie, When I Saw You, which is, I think, one of the good movies that were chosen by like mm. Netflix is uh, the the scene in which uh, Tariq, who is a refugee from Jerusalem, living in, in a refugee camp in Jordan, one of the amazing, honest scenes, he looks at his mother and says, you're all coward. You're all, as Palestinian, he, he meant, 
all coward because you don't want to go back to Palestine. You don't want to basically, you know, go back to the um, weaponized struggle, to mm. the violence, violence struggle, and to use weapon and you know uh, to in order to go back by force to Palestine. And it was it was amazing because the armed struggle is a topic when it comes to the Palestinian narrative. It's a huge, huge challenge. It's a topic which is very, you know, complicated and unfaithful, and, but it's there and should be tackled. And, and Anne-Marie Jasser basically succeeded to do that, not only like to bring the topic itself, what we think about arm, you know, struggle as Palestinians, as children, you know, in refugee camps, as as that generation, as young generation, you know, growing up in exile. But it was amazing because it was very honest. It was a scene in which she could pick up on a painful, amazing, crucial topic, but it was very honest. And it was told by, you know, a child mm. growing in exile. And mm. that was basically amazing because it's, it was an indication that Palestinians, producer and, and director, are capable of picking nuances that basically are much more complicated than, you know, um, you know, bringing, again, checkpoint, bombing Gaza. The victimhood and the victimization is basically controlling the narrative, the political nationalistic narrative, and then it basically controls the entertainment and, and the movie industry of the Palestinian producers and directors. The headline of your article in Hebrew described the collection as cowardly. Does that refer to the Palestinian filmmakers or, or to Netflix for its choice of movies? I think they meant both because I had two thoughts about it, uh, Simon. That um, relating to what I said previously just now is they basically picked a collection which is, you know, which is basically presents uh, Palestinians as victims again, which is, you know, it's very familiar, and, and this is what it basically expected from from um, Netflix to do as international amazing whatever platform, and present the Palestinian typical victimized by, you know, occupation oppressing the Israeli occupation. I mean. And from the other hand, again, it was those producers who agreed to participate and only uh, release or give the right to Netflix to, to have the victimized story. And, and again, I would just, I want to connect both anecdotes mm. uh, to, to what I've said previously that I think that the Palestinian producers are really I would I would describe them as coward. I would describe them as as hesitating to look into the Palestinian Palestinianism, as I said previously, mm. and bring much more complex and colorful and more critique when it comes to the Palestinian narrative. But I mean, saying that, I think the problem is basically again once you as a journalist as a writer as a producer you can be palestinian or you can be egyptian as as muhammad diab mm. the producer director of, of 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 amira once you bring critique and it doesn't really matter who you are to the palestinian nationalistic narrative you are a traitor so i think Critique basically is seen 
as treason, bringing much more complex picture, colorful, bringing, you know, the, the dark, the dark side of occupation, but connecting that to the Palestinian community as internal discourse is seen as a treason. So anybody who would raise his voice or her voice and try, even, you know, cinematically, cinematically, not even through writing, Mm. cinematically to challenge the Palestinian nationalistic, the way it is told till this moment will be seen as as a treason. I think that's, in my opinion, this is the way I look at it. And and this is why, you know, all those movie, movies basically so loyal, blindly loyal to the Palestinian nationalistic narrative, mm. telling the same story I grew up on, you know, as a child. It's the same story, you know, Um as I said previously, telling the occupation story rather than looking into the Palestinianism. Uh, you know, I mean, I was thinking the other day, Simon, of those women who would go to the checkpoints and, you know, take knives with them mm. and try to try to attack soldiers. Um, none of those Palestinian directors, producer, has, you know, thought for, for a moment that it's that women doing that, like kind of committing suicide, might have, you know, other story basically, which is happening in their families and in their communities when it comes, you know, um, something basically is really wrong in terms of the womanhood under the occupation and the manhood under occupation, but not only in front of the Israeli occupation, but in front of the, the Palestinian manhood itself. And I, you know, I have those moments of, you know, when I look at when I looked at the the, the Palestinian collection, I said, like, okay, that's fine. I was told that story. I know that story, mm. uh, and it's you know the the forever story. What about my story? as a new Palestinian generation? What about the story, you know, of the Sheikh Jarrah generation, of Mm. Umm al-Fahim generation today, of the Bedouin, of the LGBTQ groups and other marginalized groups? Have you seen in any of those movies the story of the Negev, of of the Bedouin community, of the Palestinian Bedouin, of the Druze, of Mm. the Druze, Arab Druze within Israel? There is no up-to-date discourses, uh, I mean, political and cultural. So for me, this is, it's a story. It's a Palestinian story, but it's not my story anymore. I can relate to it because I know, I mean, I'm aware of the political, cultural context of what is happening in Israel-Palestine. But my story exceeds victimhood. And there's so much in the Palestinianity to be told rather than, you know, victimizing and the victimhood, which is, again, legitimate, but it's not the only story to be told. Mm. So, I mean, I refuse to be conditioned, you know, as a journalist and, and as a writer and as a Palestinian and as a woman uh, to accept that. Could it be argued in any way that simply by having a collection called Palestinian Stories on Netflix, on such a huge global platform, will allow a new generation of voices to come through and will encourage them to become part of the creative process? 
I don't know. It's it's a big question actually, because because my thought about it is honestly like without any filters that uh, I think the new generation Simon basically should tell their stories and in in a very alternative way. Mm. Uh, it maybe was, on know, TikTok rather than because, uh, Netflix. Yeah, yeah, it, it could be through Netflix, but it could be also you know it could. It could get to Netflix. I mean, I'm I'm not like you know. I don't think that you know. I'm not dismissing Netflix. I'm bringing more like complex uh, thinking and critique about you know this this hustle and and, and media fuss uh, regarding the launch itself. And if you ask me, I don't think it should be. I don't think it should be the way the way the Palestinian you know movie industry tell it today, cinematically or you know even even technicality. And I think I think that this generation basically saying, and not only that they have the tools, I think that um, they have the the skills and the ability and the complexity to to be able to also yeah um, not only to tell the story but to to tell it differently. Mm. Do you think there's an audience for for that kind of movie? I mean, it, it, you wrote in your article that you you suspect that Netflix only bought these movies to cash in on the you know a peak in global interest uh, in in Israel Palestine after this year's conflict is is if it's I so still, cyclical i still think so like kids because you I mean think about it uh simon i mean netflix is not the uh the kid from the neighborhood who got lucky i mean i was researching and reading i read a lot about netflix you mm-hmm. know as an international platform so it was a strategic step which is you know again i don't criticize i think it was i think it was brilliant <laughs> to to pick up on 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 the the Palestinian Palestinianism the Palestinian narrative and 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 realize that it was so trendy and it was so internationally favored mm. uh, and to make a a very brilliant financially successful and bring the Palestinian movie collection to Netflix I think I think that was brilliant but. It doesn't really mean that it's it's a political cultural achievement for the Palestinian narrative. I don't think so. I disagree with that because I think again, achievement would be for the Palestinian movie industry would be to be able to bring much more complexity to look into Palestinianism and sorry to try in front of Netflix to tackle. The way Netflix looks at the Palestinians or or Muslims, because Netflix would still launch or you know engage into lots of, of, of cinematic work, which is basically still uh, present Arabs or Palestinians or Muslim in a very stereotypical way. Mm. I think that's a challenge. Tackle that. Engage into something which is much more broader, not only the Palestinian narrative and bringing the Palestinian narrative to international audience. I'm sorry to, you know, to, to disappoint all those Palestinian directors because the Palestinian narrative is out there. 
So th- um, there was Raja, There was one um, uh, movie that um, not part of the the, the Palestinian stories um, collection. Um, it's also at the, at the center of something of a storm at the moment. You mentioned it earlier on. It's uh, Mohammed Diab's Amira, um, a movie about yeah. a Palestinian girl who discovers that she wasn't conceived by sperm smuggled out from an Israeli prison from a Palestinian prisoner, but from an Israeli prison guard. That the movie had been submitted as the Jordanian entry for the best foreign language move at the Oscars, but after pressure from Palestinian groups, it, it withdrew the entry and apologized. What, what's your take on that? Oh, well, basically, because because I haven't seen it, so mm. I think it's... it's but it's, it's, some, it's, a, from, it's a, yeah, a, a Palestine-set yeah, it's, it's, it's movie uh, that's yeah. dealing with an issue that isn't yeah. directly the relations between Palestinians well, and again, Israelis. Well, again, this in is the, the thing. Um, I want to say, like, two main things about it, maybe more, but uh, I'll start by saying that um, I haven't seen it, so it's un- unprofessional from my side, like, to say anything about the movie itself, but I can, I can tell you that... Um, it basically relates to again what I said previously. So there's there's a lot of, of you know uh, of a media uh, fuss around it, which is you know uh, basically focusing on dismissing the the cinematic work uh, without even you know without even you know have without even seeing it. Mm. Like you, Raja, I, I haven't seen it, but I did read a review. Variety said it, it was a convoluted, queasy and ill-judged Palestine-set melodrama. So uh, may, maybe we should both give that one a miss. Afraid we're out ah, of time okay. for this yep. week. Um, thank you so much for your time. You're welcome, Simon. Thank you. Thank you, Raja. That's your show for this week, listener. Uh, my thanks to our producer, Aaron Ehrlich. Uh, make sure to join Amir Tibon for Haaretz Weekly on Monday, and we'll be back again next Friday with another episode of Haaretz Weekend. Until then, Shabbat Shalom from Tel Aviv.